Welcome to After Hours by Red Compass Labs, where the best and brightest of the financial services industry let their hair down, unbutton their collars, and share their passion for payments with Julie and Mike. I'm Mike Truter, an evangelist for digital ecosystems and innovation at Red Compass Labs, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague Julie Getter, who has a deep, deep passion for the future of payments. We learned a lot from our first season of podcasts and want to spice things up a little for our second season. For the most part, it will be Julie and Mike enjoying an after-hours chat about the future of payments. But when our crystal balls are telling us conflicting stories, we will invite guests onto the show to help us settle our differing points of view. Today is one of those days, and I'm very pleased to welcome Chris Murphy, who leads business design for business transformation at Lloyds Bank. Chris, what an interesting title. Please share a little more. Yeah, there's lots of buzzwords in there. <laughs> yeah, hello. Yeah, I've been working at Lloyds for about 15 years, so... But right at, at, at this present moment, been working on some, should we say, hedges of new technology and partnerships with Lloyd's, specifically around our partnership with Google Cloud and our strategic investment with innovative product platform, Thought Machine. So last couple of years, I've been working on that. And previous to that, I've, I've worked very much in the digital transformation in Lloyd's Bank. Fantastic. That's, that's grounds for a great discussion. Okay, before we get into everything as always like the Scottish knife, the ski and do. We will try and keep our discussions short, sharp and to the point, but we can't make any guarantees. So without any script or preparation, let's kick things off. So Chris, big discussion often for us is, is whether or not, you know, with the, with the whole changing world, you know, Lloyd's is a, a legacy bank, if I, can, if I can call it that. So I think it's fair to say because it's got a long history. It's challenging, right? Incumbent, 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 sorry, sorry, incumbent, incumbent, right? I need to use the right terminology to be politically correct these days. But, but it's, a, it's a challenging environment, especially here in the UK, um, with, with so many neobanks and, and people trying to, to kind of gun for, for the incumbents. Do you have any ideas on, on what banks should be doing, uh, given this kind of current situation, to remain competitive? Yeah, I, th I think there's obviously, as we all know, there's been a jolt with the pandemic and it kind of shaped the industry quite a lot. A lot of There was a lot of customer reactions. They sort of moved back to the incumbents from a sort of safety point of view. You know, a lot of the neobanks, very cutting edge, but you realise when people are in times of stress, they like the safe harbours of the big brands. So that happened, but, but that is quite short term in reality. Mm -hmm. We are going to get back to a new normal. I think that the, you know, you look at some of the announcements, our announcement of our strategy, but things like JP Morgan, you see actually that the investment in technology to really simplify that technology has to be done now. We're coming to that pivot point that actually the cost of change, the cost of ownership, the agility, we just, we've got a little bit of time, but we've got to get on the imperative of actually changing that, that big legacy because it's just not going to be competitive and you know, we all know, we all see the numbers, banks make huge amounts of money, but if those margins are getting squashed and squashed, the cost has to, you know, the cost has to reduce, but cost doesn't always give you that competitive advantage. We, we've seen from the neobanks, you know, great experiences, great branding, simpler propositions. There was a real shot across the bow over the last five years. So, but I, th I think it's time now is what, what you see a lot is head down is how are we going to get out of this? mess this technology this risk uh, to get us fit and fit for the modern world because while we're competing with our other incumbents with the fintechs there is always that worry of the the big you know ecosystems whether it's amazon or whoever coming in they're not coming yet so much they have been you know they're playing around in payments but they're not coming in but that's always a great fear i have a question actually and i think like you know if i look at um the uk market and so on I think like, you know, definitely all the neobanks have worked like, you know, have changed the face of the ecosystem and like have challenged the bank significantly. Now, except Starling, none of them are like profitable yet. I think for me, like, you know, you mentioned JP earlier. I think JP is a much more bigger threat to any of the incumbents in, in, in the market because as you mentioned, not only they have really the, 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 the they want to be like you know uh, as slick as possible in terms of infrastructure to be agile as possible, they have the balance spreadsheet to fund their ambition as well, right? 
So I'm just like keen to yeah get your opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the game changing statement that came out, I think, of the JP Morgan strategy that was recent was, I mean, they're spending something like twelve billion pounds on technology. But what was even more, I thought, indicative is that they refused to put a business case around it. And also, they went even further. They said, we might not make our numbers. JP Morgan might not make their numbers because of this investment. And it was nearly, we're not going to tell you what the business case is, what the value of that is. Just trust us. But we know we have to put that amount of money in. And that is, that's a massive, I mean, the markets took it. I'm very surprised. You know, most analysts wouldn't allow other banks to do it. But that, that's, I think that's their thought leadership is there and they know and that amount of money is not just for internal change you could you realize that you're right they're going to be acquiring they're going to be pushing out to other markets so i think that you know that's really the attitude that everyone else is really coming to because it is competitive advantage you have to keep going and it is eye water it's an arms race in reality and but i do like the way that it's unconstrained they're not constraining it on the market jp morgan but but they are relatively bright. But also we see, you know, Chase in the UK and, you know, targeting nice segments, nice valuable segments. You're right, they are a big worry. And I think for me, the question is a bit like, not not all the incumbents in the UK have like 12 billion to invest in technology, you know? So how do you like, where do you start? Especially now that like, I think the real, real threat is here. So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's hard. I mean, we're, we're sort of looking at it. It's so, so as I say, I've been I've been kind of working at Lloyd's as some some working with a sort of more strategic partnerships, which is a sort of and you could call that greenfield. You know, we're in the cloud cloud banking, which a lot of the neo banks a lot pushing from there, and that's very very attractive. But what do you do with a huge spaghetti of your legacy? Your five four, five, six thousand business critical applications that are all talking different operating systems, different integration patterns, all across the gap. What do you do with those? And how does that hold you back from the innovation on the greenfield? And that's the thing that I think everyone's been challenged with. Do you do you build it greenfield and then try and tip it in, or do you progressively modernize, which is, you know, move gently move it over but have you got time for that and i think it's hard and i don't see anyone cracking that strategy yet it's it's because in your legacy obviously big spaghetti very high cost but big footprint hard system management cyber risks all sorts of mm. risks from here well you can't ignore that and just go for the nice shiny bits um and and you know anecdotally for me i think the the push for digitalization which has washed its face you know we're biggest uk digital retail bank massively big channel shift but that kind of wallpapered the cracks you know everyone built a digital channel that kind of just sat over this legacy group that was basically based for branch telephony channels glued it together you know nice experience with customers transact make payments check my you know that's where we started with check your statement make your payment but it kind of cracked over you know wallpapered over all this mess underneath now you start to feel that the transformation has to come down from the interaction of the customers which is pretty good yeah customers very happy on the mobile phone mobile apps but actually it's further down and that's when you come into you start to collide in we have the digital transformation but now is it now the data transformation which yeah, it's incredibly difficult to do when with all those silos. Yeah, I, I think I, I remember Piyush Gupta of uh, DBS always described, you know, putting lipstick on a pig, right? That that doesn't really work for too long. <laughs> um, you have you have to be digital to the core, and and you know if you don't do, you know, if you just paper over the cracks and you don't think about the end to end journey, then you know it's it's just going to get harder and harder, and I think more expensive for banks as well, right? To try and maintain a face. That has you know paper printing out and falling on the floor. The classic you know situation where it looks digital, but the reality is very very different at the core. But but how do you transition um, from from one to the other? Because you know it's that that balance of you know you can't wait forever and and then see what others do and then decide to go because then you're you're behind. If you're a the, you know first out of the gate and and trying to to kind of lead, that's also really hard because 
you're going to kind of pay for all the mistakes and the learnings, and, and then others you know that that kind of join benefit. So how do you do that transition? Like where do you how do you pick your bets? Right, because that that's what this is really all about. It is. I mean, that's the and you're right. It's the constraints of the bets. I mean, you know, you look at the banks. They're making their numbers. They're doing well. And it, again, I bet Kodak was making its numbers before it hit the. <laughs> Yeah, because it, it's a real problem. Yeah, it's making the numbers. It, you know, it's everything's good from here. Can they can they make that hedge? But in the constraints of yeah, your hedge. How do you protect it in a regulated world? It's very hard to do a hedge. Number one is a hedge might, to your point there, might not be good, but you could destabilize your own customer base who are very happy. Mm. You know, we know all yeah. our metrics are from there. But also, you bring the wrath of the regulator. That they they. Regulate is relatively hard on the incumbents for innovation. You know, it might be us being sniffy and high-minded, but you know, we kind of look at the way the regulator is kind of relaxed with the neo banks as they've mm. grown up, which is the right for a while, thing. Right? For a while, yeah, but not not now. Yeah, you <laughs> to see it's good, and you see like Starling, and you know, obviously they had a retail banking spine. They were bankers. The leadership was banking, so they kind of probably in front of that curve. I'd hazard a guess. So, you know, I, I, I'm. That's the quandary. I think where is the hedge? How do you play this? How? And I think to the point of, do you, are you the first mover or are you the fast follower? I think that's old fashioned thinking. I think you can't do that anymore because I think that was usually an excuse for not making a decision or, and it, you know, the marketplace, I think before you know it, someone else will be in the, it. It will be hyper competitive and uncooperative. And I think that's the worst nightmare of any you know, lead, business leader. Because in fairness, the banks, the big incumbents regulated by the UK, you know, it's not monopoly in the worst sense of the world, but they there was a slight synergy, you know, slight cooperation. They kind of played in the same places, mm. the same technologies. If you look at all of them, they all relatively look the same. They might be executing nice experiences and nice branding, but relatively the same. So therefore, one could go, one pick up, pick your winners. They're so slow moving, but now if you start to believe these new technologies that you don't have that luxury. So by the time you made the decision, they're on to the next iteration or someone else is building on top of it. And then you try and say, where do, where do I start now? Because somehow it's raced ahead. The market in that part of your market will just race ahead and you catching and then up. That's got, and, and, then, and then another one. And, and, and because I think, there is and come around to it the sort of push of personalization segmentation it's like you can't just have universal service it's now how do you differentiate and that makes it even worse because that you know as we see chase what have they come after they come after the sort of big mass affluent customers so that this mm. the neo banks very much the millennials the shops but not high value but they might be in 10 years but if you're getting attacked and all of these things you've got to react and you've got to react very quickly you can't do those slow hedges and that that's the world we're coming into so yes i, I think, think it's one of the most difficult things um, for leadership i think also like you know chris to your point around like wallpaper on the quack or like you know mike your point around like digital lipstick I think actually like we are reaching the end of this area, right? Because if you look at the change coming and not necessarily from the market, from regulation as well, like CBDC, you know, like potentially so far all the proposal have been like operating on DLT blockchain infrastructure. Yeah. This you, you can't make it up, right? It's touching your core infrastructure. You need to adjust your core infrastructure to be able to support these new payment rails effectively. So I, I think, you know, yeah, now is banks have no choice anymore. Like, I think, you know, to some extent, one thing I learned in the past, or I was told when I think it's right, not making a decision is a decision on its own. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think, like, you know, banks have been not making decisions. But now I think, like, actually, this decision is not working anymore based on what will happen soon from a regulatory point of view so yeah pick your battle and start <laughs> it's quite an internal look as well i mean i think the, the paper the cracks digitalization was very much about customer centricity customer experience and that was absolutely fantastic great it washed its face absolutely fantastic we've nearly passed that that's bau mm. and it is it's a mm. funny one it's more to this point now it's internal look, looking inside oh my goodness how are we running our organization um and it, and it 
drives everything from, yeah, all this legacy, but also your skill sets, you know, a lot of digital skills and all that attracted the best talent and stuff. You start to go down layers and layers and it's goodness me, the, the, you know, there's a distribution belt curve of the age of these resources. How do you get the partnership? You know, it's, there weren't hugely innovative areas in the day, you know, over the, because the wallpaper, the cracks, the digital took a lot of the mindset and the leadership and the good talent and it left a lot as well. So there's a lot of unintended consequences of the last five to 10 years, I, I believe, looking now, looking back at, I was one of the ones in the digital transformation, but now working more on the sort of, sort of modern platforms in the, in the cloud and thinking, goodness me, the time has changed. And I think that's, that's why I think it's a big pivot point, to be blunt. <laughs> But yeah, and it's inter it's, I think it's interesting the strategy that you've taken at loads actually on this point, which is if I kind of like my analysis of the loads strategy has been actually let's get talent outside from, you know, Google, from such machine, from like, you know, investment at Form 3 as well, right? Because like loads was one of the early investors too. So let's get like, you know, almost press reset and look at things with different filter to see how we can yeah pass the stage right and leverage the ecosystem right because there's a there's a broad ecosystem with those skills that you know you can plug in yeah leverage it plug in and that's that's the sort of i mean it's interesting looking at and i i have no inside knowledge but looking at barclays they seem to have a very much different tech strategy they're quite a big salesforce business and which is very much you know by the ecosystem and the innovation from another partner but then do you lose out on your own internal skills that if you want to pivot later, goodness me, you know, it's a bit of the crown jewels versus actually the innovation and you never keep up. So let's use, you know, big, big tech that is innovative. So yeah, it, again, a tricky decision. I, th I think the observation, I think why the whole industry will really change. And I think payments has had this, you know, been working in this op model for quite a long time, but like, I've been working on Google. Obviously, we talk about Thought Machine and talk about the event streaming. It's really banking is going to real time, always on, no batch. You start to see the data technologies around. You know, the thoughts of, as I said, we're working on a hedge of a, standing up a bank and you're looking at the end of day process. You know, it started in the payment rails at two in the afternoon and then it's all this sort of reconciliation, FinRec and all the way down and then it's backs and then it's your direct debits. It was like, you know, this is like the 19, and it is the 1960s. And it's like, <laughs> but to the point even you before, got, right? Even before, and it's like all adding up and making it sure it's nice and safe. But then you start to look at the crypto exchanges and all that, you know, seven by 24, you know, the, the world is open. And I think that's, that's the next massive change is real time. And, real-time business the decisions have to be done there and then they can't be oh phew we've got till tomorrow morning when the branch opens yeah. that's still a lot of the mindset let's you know everything in read mode overnight while well, we batch it all up and it's already gone and i think that changes a lot to your op model because i think the utopian and then it becomes democracy of data information if you're a business leader if you want to know what your risks are, what your payment streams are, how your you know cash flows, how your client, your customers and clients are doing, you can see it real time now. It's not, oh, it goes into batch, goes into a data warehouse in two weeks' time. Let's have a risk committee. Let's have a look. No, we can just collect data you know, from twelve different systems and yeah, get someone to consolidate it. Yeah, put it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, make it look nice. What now? It will be on their desktop. We'd be like, right, you want to know the risks? Have a look now, and that massive massive simplification you can see from the organization if but the problem is how do you get there you, yeah. you know that, that's that's always the problem but that's interesting because like the question is getting there will take time but actually time is the only currency you don't have anymore because it's 24 7 so <laughs> yeah 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 it's like yeah and therefore and and it's hard there isn't really an acquisition that can not make a mess either, you know, for, you know, big banks have a big war chest of money. Yeah, they just do. But, he, but then there's no one, one solution. They can't just go and buy it or buy another bank. They may do, they may do this. What this, I'm sure the neo banks are hoping that could be one of their exit clauses of buying the top 
top to bottom. And we did that as lawyers. We bought Embark, which was a very innovative digital wealth management solution doing that. But and that's one way of doing it. But it's but we shall see. But yeah, it's hard, hard slog, no time. And technology catches up. But yeah, it, it, that is the time now. That's what we're facing into. So it's, it's, it will stay interesting, like, because, like, one thing on, like, where Mike and I disagree, actually, is, like, I think we both agree on the fact that um, not all the neobanks will survive, uh, especially not all the ones in the UK. However, we disagree on the one which is going to be acquired first. So I'm keen <laughs> to hear your opinion on this. I think it, uh, the characteristics, I think, has to be quite a footprint in the marketplace, whether it's a product range. They're all uni-branded. When they're monolined, I don't think they're as attractive, to be blunt. You know, ones that, you know, the banking, basically, card payment rails and the interchange fees is, you know, we can do that. It's, not, but it's the ones that have got a bit more of a bigger proposition. I, I, I do think Starling's got a good foot because they're solid. They're solid. They try on their ecosystem um, and trying to push out their product range, which is interesting. Atom, never underestimate Atoms. They're, they're quite innovative. They're keeping quite niche, you know, and in a hard part of the market and mortgages, but you know, they get, they're getting out there and doing their. The, the one that probably would be a bit difficult to manage in the risk would be Revolut. I think there's, oh. there's, mm -hmm. there's still a bit of a cultural that would be just too far and one you'd blunt that out and if you buy something with a very strong culture a company with a strong culture you would generally would want that culture to come back and infuse and inform you said i don't i'm not quite sure you'd have that <laughs> a big 250 year old bank wouldn't quite so and then monzo they've been executing it well but i'm not sure they've lost their way a bit i don't know they definitely lost their three ones away yeah i mean it's it's a difficult one i mean it's and interesting, you see JP Morgan and, and Goldman Sachs, they build their own, own platforms that they haven't bought to, to enter other markets, you know, so, and they would have looked, they would have looked. So I, I'm not sure they're attractive for acquisition, but I'll be, I'll be curious what you think then, Julie, or between yourselves, what, what was your, your bet? Yeah, so I, I think like for me, my, my bet was, was Monzo actually, because of like, you know, I think for me, Starling, yeah, he's definitely a strong player, but I'm thinking Starling is expensive, right? Would be very expensive. So who would have the balance sheet in the UK to be in the position to buy Starling? And I think like, I'm thinking this all the more so looking at the acquisition of Credit Kyodos from Apple, like, you know, really recently and the amount put on the table. For uh, like, again, I love Credit Kyodos. I don't want this to discredit their work. I think what they did was huge. But for like, you know, just for basically data and like analysis of data or much the price pay on the market. So for a full bank, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, the price is going to be even higher. So for me, I was thinking like no one basically has a budget for this, where potentially people could have the budget for a Monzo. And at the end, like, you know, there are a few things that like I think for me, incumbent bank could learn from Monzo. I mean, their technology is pretty sleek, they're pretty agile. And at the end of the day, when you look at literally customer satisfaction of their services, it's quite high as well, right? So Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's the old... Oh, sorry, uh, Michael, what was your hedge? What was your bet? I, 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 I'm a bit closer to you, Chris. I think, I think the starlings of this world, I think, you know, markets that they're going into that are relatively untapped give, you know, growth potential. Uh, it's... I, I kind of agree Julie's point, yes, probably more expensive, but I also know that banks would rather, you know, conservative banks <laughs> would rather invest in a, a, something that they can see and touch and feel. It's much easier to justify to their board why they're making that investment. So I, I think in the end that would win out, you know, around, around, around the board table um, in, in terms of, you know, uh, valuing an investment or, or making a decision on an investment rather than something that's got a little bit more question mark or... Uh, less viable, uh, more more competition with with existing business. I think you know maybe maybe that's the thing that will. Um, we spoke earlier a little bit about cannibalizing your own business, right? And and people are always going to worry about that. I I think. And my gut feel is I I 
I honestly think, and it's the rights in the CMA and everyone won't allow a big bank to acquire these companies. They were here really to disrupt and keep mm. competition. If you're here, you know, you know, we've had consolidation. It was a building society at the end of every road in the UK for yeah. many years. And then it just all consolidated, consolidated acquisition mergers, carpet bagging in the day if you're a customer, if anyone knows that term. And then you ended up with very few and it's very stale you know, pretty conservative market. So I, I, I don't think they'll be allowed to buy them, probably from a regulation point, but if they mm. were, yeah, I, I think, yeah, they'd want a bit more stability in that sort of level. But also it's it's an interesting one of your markets. What's left in the UK is the other one. What's the, you know, HSBC, the global bank, global deposit bank, as they like to talk themselves. I don't know if Julie, they helped you move over. I don't know if you're with them. Barclays I am with them. I am with them. But did they help you? Did they help you go on? No? No, because when I tried, when I moved from France to uh, the UK, like, it was such a catastrophic experience. And like, <laughs> actually, I'm opening a bank account with DBS now in Singapore. Oh, yeah. I'm consulting at HSBC. Oh, very um, good. And yeah, and I must admit, like I was telling Mike actually about this story that so, I mean, DBS has been always one of my favorite bank ever, right? Looking at how them and like everything in terms of digital experience and so on. And so far, my experience have just been horrendous. Like literally, <laughs> I I remember opening a Monzo account yeah. while I was in a car on a ride to the zoo with my children in less than 50 minutes and having a usable account after this 50 minutes, right? Yeah. And for DBS, so I tried to do the same, went online. Oh, no, you can't because you don't have a proof of address. You need to ask your employer. <laughs> Certifying a document of a proof of address. And it's like, what? Okay, I'm going to ask. My employer provided the document. Then, of course, it was not the right template, the right format, so come back. Finally, they sent the letter with saying, um, okay, so now your account is open. Download our DG app and you'll be able to log on, which I did. And guess what? I was stuck and they say called customer services. <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom of the queue. It's like, oh. I mean, I, I mean this is the thing because I. I so the design leader for onboarding at Lloyd's for many years, digital onboarding, which you've done from there. And yeah, these pain points. And also always used to make me laugh. And I don't mean this any patronizing way, but it's like I'd always I'd be sat in a meeting room and there'd be a colleague or an exec or whatever. And they'd say, oh, I've just tried to onboard onto Lloyd's. And like yourself, I'd be listening to their accent and it'd be American or French. And I'm like, yeah. You know, we don't know who you are. You've only you've yeah. only been in the country for three months. You you know, it's yeah. yeah if you if you if you'd lived in the same house twenty years, I would be surprised if it wasn't straight through. And it always used to make me laugh. I used to be nodding away. Yeah, what do you expect? But the other innovation, which I think we've lost sight of, and I think that's why open banking, I think, stopped. And I'll come back to this sort of on, on level is that democracy of your. There's the open banking, opening that amongst the ecosystem of banks, but over and above that digital identity. Because, mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, like, you should only onboard into the financial services once in your life in a region. And then after that, yeah. you should yeah. Yeah. in 10 yeah, seconds, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know why that's not... Technology is coming, you know, and the, and the government's done a great port between the driving license, passport, office, you know, they're, they're doing their good good influence. But I think unlocking that, it seems that sort of open API, open channel has kind of lost a bit of its momentum. I don't quite see anyone innovate hugely on the payment rails. I would have thought they yeah. would have done. Actually, that's quite yeah. nice to transact. Quite, it'd be interesting for me, yourselves if, if you detect any of that. But um, but even just all the aggregation and, and a lot of the consents didn't work. And I don't think the regulator is learn test and learning they've kind of left it there and then they haven't watered and nurtured the, the innovation in that world to drive the, the drive the market but uh, if they, the natural conclusion to that would be you'd have to say that and a bit more perhaps of quantum computing security in the future future my whole hypothesis yeah. put, i'll be shocked what do you need a bank for then you know yeah. that, that's yeah that that could be the natural conclusion, and God knows in our chart, 
child's lifetime. I don't know, but but yeah, I I, I those onboarding horror stories all over the web. But I think that systemically in society, why why do I have to do that? You know, yeah. heavily regulated. You, you know, we're, we're talking bureaus that's using government data behind it. It's like yeah. Well, why can't you know part of my visa part of because I'm sure you've had to go through all of that to come in to live in Singapore. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. That's you, with we know who you are, government, especially Singapore. Goodness me. Yeah, especially Singapore with the Sing Pass as well. So they have the concept, a stronger concept of digital identity here. And again, like it, it, this is so funny because I've been the number of times I've been like mentioning basically, you know, like mm. Sing Pass as a great way to onboard. And then as soon as like, you know, I need to experience a completely different story. Yeah. So yes, DBS, DBS is linked in theory. So DBS is indeed linked with SingPass. So like at first they asked me, okay, can you retrieve your SingPass details? Yes, you can. And like, honestly, the consent mechanism on SingPass is just like amazing compared to any PSD to work like regulation. But then again, the proof of address is not something on seeing past. So basically, I was as well stuck. So all of this is like, okay, like, I think to your point as well, right? I think when we take the decision, actually, like, we probably need to put a bit, a lot more testing and test, making sure we test the edge cases before yeah. effectively saying, oh, yeah, completely smooth onboarding. Yeah, uh, yeah, not yeah, quite. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not quite. So it's like, oops. No. Yeah, yeah. But to your point around, like, you know, do we need, do we need banks and so on? And, and honestly, like I've been trying, you know, I was looking at the market a bit recently and looking at, you know, some of the crypto company who were like, would you accept your salary in crypto? Would you accept your salary in crypto? You know, and for me, I was like, I was thinking a bit about that, you know, and like, let's say tomorrow at Compass tell me, oh, I'm being paying your salary in crypto. So not only using banks, but only wallets. How would you feel about that? And I don't know, like, maybe this is where you realize, oh, no, I'm old. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I was thinking, well, I don't think I'm quite ready for this, like, because I'm thinking of all the pain points, you know, of, like, realities. Well, okay, like, I, if I need to pay my electricity provider, they won't take a wallet number. They're going to take an account number. So how do I manage all of this complexity? So I think like, you know, it's either all the ecosystem move at the same time. And then, yeah, probably like, you know, we can get rid of bank. Or if like, you know, all the ecosystem doesn't move, then I think it will create more pain point at some, at some point. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm going to stick with my bank for some more time. <laughs> I, I think it will just come sometime. I think I think there'll be a blinding technology that will just come mm. and then everything will just have to move and we'll but I think the discussion that these might not be the winners, but there yeah. there is something that mm. will build on top of each other. But yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe I don't know, like should we do we need to transition to like more into the metaverse? to see the winners yeah, of yeah, the future yeah, yeah. and then yeah. like, you know, yeah. kind of then going into like, you know, real life, I, I wonder as well. So, so let's, let's, let's dive in here again. Uh, maybe, maybe Chris, I think this is an area that, that probably you, you will have lots of thoughts on. What, what about the payments architecture of the future? What, what, where, 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 what, what is, what do you think is the path towards that, that blinding technology that's going to, to just pop out of nowhere and we'll go, my goodness, we've been waiting for this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's yeah, it's a funny one, as I say, you know, sort of what's in banking, you know, in the sort of debts and payments. But you know, everyone talks about embedding finance in your life and you know, real time. But payments has been very innovative. It's driven a lot of innovation. I think mm. financial services, part of the you know, even from your wallet, your your payments from your uh, phone and all sorts. You know, there's always been really, and it's probably the most impactful thing in customers' lives. Yeah, and actually, it's the thing you do is, every day, right? Yeah, it's the thing, and it is in my life because that's that's a you know, bank is because what's made life about banks is we know that, and I do it myself. I log into my banking app like four or five times a day for no reason, and it's like, what would I do that for? I mean, <laughs> it's, that's a no, it's nothing. What other what other thing do I look at? I don't do that on anything else. I'm making payments though. Is is it my life? I'm buying a product or service, so I think the innovation of that is enormous, and. 
and it, it's chicken and egg because the payment and securing the payment obviously oh. with strong customer reward, and which is a really good thing i mean it, and the, the message is difficult for customers and there's been some real pain points of you know well even from contactless to chip you know it's you know having to take society with you because it is societal payments and i think it's innovative i think the competition and making the money i think it's one of the big income drivers and you see that from jp morgan and see that in lawyers is actually they see there is a huge amount of income still even now possibility yeah. of payments so i think now going back to where do you go with new architecture as i say with with hedged with some innovative payments trying to build a new payments architecture Again, it's hard because there are really hard parts of payments as well. There's, you know, disputes. There's all sorts of things that mm. just uh, you, you can't really optimize for. You just have to do. And payment. And going back to the sort of neo banks, these are the sort of things. There's so such a lot of one. It's massively important to your customers. It's a big part of your brand promise. There's high risks on that sort of stuff, but the cost of running it is huge, and that is one of the barriers really for the competition because payments you know without payments you know license right it's one of those yeah. critical business processes yeah. like which come come into a minute we talk about cloud cloud banking of like the regulators waking up but uh yeah i mean it, it, it it's it's got to be always watered always fed highly competitive uncooperative market but hugely impactful for customers i i think some of the rem, remnants of as i say the sort of direct debit backs you know the, the mm -hmm. back end of the payment infrastructure that all needs to just go you know that needs to be brought up into the modern world of how people engage with their money nowadays so i think there's still large schemes that need to be changed yeah i was going to say actually that's that's one of the reasons why i think i you know you mentioned the the difficulty of disputes and things actually with instant payments you get rid of a lot of that because you know you make a decision you decide everything up front you press the button, you make your choice, right? And it's done, right? And then and then you can regret your decision afterwards, but it's done, right? The, the, the finality is there. And I think that, that takes away a lot of the complexity, actually. You know, pe people have to be responsible for their decisions. Uh, that's that's the hard part. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it does mean that you don't have the complexity of a lot of those older schemes, uh, which are, you know, a long time. We come back to the discussion earlier of, you know, driven by batch, driven by multiple days, complexity in managing, you know, cash movements over multiple days through multiple systems in mul multiple ways. It's lots of things that can go wrong, right? Just, you know, I, I, my, my memories of batches of payments and then one payment's rejected out of a batch and like a rebatching. How does it recover? And yeah, it's like, goodness me. And like, you know, it's, you know, it's even you look at your bank, statements now pending transactions and over the weekend it yeah. might be like what's that about in a, in a modern day but you're right about you know real-time payments gets rid of the suits but also i think that sort of stronger customer authentication is you Absolutely. know immutable it was you it's not yeah you know there's no dispute who it was so all of this cleans it out however that's just one or two of the rails isn't it there's other rails that's that, that is. are still around that, that have to be transformed but uh and I think yeah. we've, Julie and I have been through this before, like, can, can you name any payment rail that's ever been decommissioned? No. <laughs> <laughs> there might be one in Russia, is there just now, is there? I don't know. But or they started a new one, aren't they, I think, between them and China. <laughs> one, one day checks will go, right? One day. Yeah, one day. One day. I, I, I think, like, actually, I have another question for you, like, can you name any payment systems that have been decommissioned in Lloyd's? You know, because often what you see as well is effectively <laughs> like, you know. Harsh question. Harsh question. I, I, yeah. I don't think any, no, it's never, we're never incentivized to, right? There's always a customer at the end of one in those schemes and, you know, you, you know, customers at the heart of your bank. Um, but in all of this simplification, never mind to your point there, there's hard decisions to be made. Yeah, it's and these are the big ones where you've got to take the customers with you, and I think sometimes bank are quite and the regulators quite hard. You know, we've got what is it at the moment consumer treatments or, or you know where the regulators are very much looking have looked from the customer outcome point of view and therefore slight behaviours. Oh, there's still customers using checks, passbooks, yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we better keep them. 
Um, but also then the baby boomers have all the money, don't they? So you don't want to annoy them, do you? <laughs> so like... Uh, Say it's the new for the checks, you know, because you could be like, yeah, I found one there, 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 the only one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, VIP Showing, showing my age, but I remember us uh, kind of making the decision to turn off telex, <laughs> and that was hard. That was hard, and then and then and then stop accepting fax instructions. Oh my goodness! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How will the customers operate um, without faxes? But you know, once we made the decision and did it, it, it lives became easier, right? And um, the back office processes were simplified, and you know, the, a lot of the risks and mitigations that we had to have in place fell away and people, why, why didn't we do this years ago? And, and you only realize after you do it and bite the bullet, actually, you know, we, we didn't need that anyway. It wasn't adding anything to our business. It wasn't actually adding any, any value to our customers as well. You know, they thought we, that we're doing it because they, that's how we've always done it, actually. You know. And I think part of it is taking our customers on journeys, right? Through the, you know, there's a different way. Let's, let's work with you and, and, and show you a different way that's better for you and better for us. Right. I think also well, it's like leadership for me because, I mean, you know, in, in, the, in my previous life, I work for a vendor, right? And it's interesting the different attitude of the bank when you come with a market product. So some of them are going to be, yeah, want to buy a market product, a product from the market, but want to completely adjust it to my processes and not change anything. So then you may wonder, okay, then what's the point of like reproducing the old to the new and spending loads of money in between? But okay, that's one strategy. And then another strategy is to say, actually, no, we are going to stop. We're going to review our processes and like literally write to the customer and engage mm. the customer. But this tech, very, it goes up to like the leadership team to be like very Absolutely. much advocating for this and pushing the team to say, no, 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 no. You're not reproducing your old crap into the new system. <laughs> You're pushing basically back to customer. <laughs> and that, that is, that is, you're absolutely right. So start tinkering and bespoking, you know, the buy market solution and then start coding in it. And it comes like customized, local customized. It's like, what's the point? You get trapped, but often, right? you get trapped in the past. Trips, but you know, but it's because banks have a lot of money that they do. You know, if you go to industries that don't, they literally slam it in and say yes to your point there. I'll change my business operating model to just use that out of the box as much as possible. And then also, if I don't like you, I'll swap to the next vendor, the next innovative vendor. If you keep it light touch like that, the theory. I mean, it's hard to do that in banks because of all the regulation. But yeah, I mean, I think that leadership of buy versus build do not pollute. Don't buy and then build. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes no sense, right? I think for me, like, you know, I mean, to some extent, okay, so where you work on payment processor, you may think, okay, it's a bit frustrating because you think, what a loss of money at the end of the day and, and, and time, right? But when it comes to things like, you know, moving an infrastructure to cloud, this is the point that makes me nervous because you're like, okay, bank, the product as is is way more secure, way more resilient than any of your infrastructure. So please, please don't twist it to your need because you're just going to break everything and make it like, you know, more dangerous overall. So this is the point where, you know, when I'm looking at lots of um, incumbents bank trying to move to the cloud and so on, I'm nervous, you know, I'm almost thinking like, hey, White Compass, can we not advise them on this business? Because I know like it's not going to end up like beautifully. It Chris? is. I mean, that's, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Michael. I was going to say, is, is, is cloud more resilient? It, it is. I mean, all the, all the levers are, it's resilient, although I've had a few messing around with Google, a few global outages, which will then <laughs> grow up. But things, but there's a maturity amongst the vendors. AWS is very mature. Google's obviously paying a lot to catch up. They kind of lost it, lost the way a bit. But you're right. I mean, the cloud is a hard strategy. A couple of thematics there, which is true, is you know, lift and shift your applications to the cloud. What do you get? Well, you get a bit of horizontal scaling, but you're just moving, polluting, moving, just you get out of that, you, you know, like yeah, you've got 5,000 applications, lots of data centers, you've got 5,000 applications in the, in the cloud. What's that going to do? 
not a lot really so this is you know some you have to it de-risks your infrastructure whatever yeah. but it's you know but you know the first thing is can we design it out is there a better way of doing it can we simplify you know that has to be a hard stage gate before you do that is the one thing i think the other one is the regulator is kind of nervous suddenly woken up to the fact and it's not really it's an interesting one is it's the interpretation of what the regulator is saying the regulator is kind of really saying of for them say all of you are in a cloud provider there's a lot of concentration risk yeah. you know barclays lloyds that we're all in the same cloud and then that goes out whoops the market's gone oh, okay get that one but also the leverage of say we're all on google and google said right i don't want any banks on my cloud in six months you know big american multinational company yeah. What leverage does the British government if I have to say, oh, no, no, you know, so they're mindful of that and therefore they're sort of mindful of the important business services, which payments absolutely is of actually. So they're pushing the organized banks to say, and it's not about don't use the cloud or public cloud specifically is is it's more be thoughtful of your big, big moments of truth for your customers, login payments, you know, insurance claiming, all the sort of good stuff, you know, that very finite amount. Take those, be thoughtful about but those sort of concentration and market risks that, that could occur when, when you don't own your own infrastructure. But I think we'll have to get over that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's too, too compelling a business case. And, and it's an interesting one to the point there, the little spaghetti you go and put up there won't help. But my observation of working on a sort of greenfield with Google and Thought Machine and, and the services around there in, in a sort of innovative way is it reminded me of going back when I started my career in, in, in banking in the mainframe or system program on there where all the applications, they're all in the same operating systems, they all log the same, secured the same, it's subsystems, everything, file storage, they, it's the same services, they all adhered to, it, um, to standards. Standard. And and the system management that was easy, right? It was oh, yeah, going here, green, evergreening, all these sort of things with concepts that were there. Obviously, weren't modern technology. And then there's a the growth of the distributed platforms from you know Windows to AIX to, to Unix, all the way up from there, and they just built out from there. Digitalization came on the top. And then the worst thing probably the last 10 years is business picking their technology. I want that one, maybe even more spaghetti, but it's actually that trade-off of that huge expansion to the thousand, thousand applications that have their own data models, own integration points, own, you know, deliberately federated their no adherence, really, sort of relax the adherence to time. We look at the cloud to really get to the cloud, simplify, use those tools that these these cloud vendors, the Amazons, the Googles have used those and therefore everything conforms to that, becomes a lot easier, you know, have it event driven, have your logging the same, have the guide rails to make sure everything conforms to that. The operation of it then becomes so much easier, the route to live, the testing, we'd have to trip from there. So it's nearly a full circle back of management, but it's only now that the technology allows still that innovation, that, that spread of you know lots of different needs in technology which the distribution distribute computing gave mm. but try and get a bit better management around it and that that's probably one of the biggest benefits i see really of getting to cloud but there's there's a few hurdles yet still quite young in our industry i, I like that approach and i guess we, we come back again maybe to our, our earlier discussion thinking about you know the i'm guessing it's really important you you're leveraging these services that are very standardized in the cloud using them as they de designed to be used. But the, the talent, the people, the thinking probably should still remain with the bank, right? It's not an outsourcing of, of no. your, your intelligence no, um, to someone else. Yeah. It's absolutely keeping all of that IP with, with the bank yeah. um, and building that talent. That's where the investment really needs to be in building the talent and the people who can manage these systems very efficiently and effectively to do the best work that they can, right? It is because I think the hardest thing, the hardest thing that no one has got to yet, and it's what you're driving into there is that cloud operating model is the as the the business using it because if there's if there's infinite resources, you know, the speed of development and and 
pumping to live and you know automated route to live and deployments and things. that's hard you know if you've got big hard, yeah. how do you do that safely without going to put 10,000 people around you don't want that how do you do that safely how do you manage the demand how do you turn it on and if it's all uh, federated but still in that level how do you you know having that monthly or quarterly release cycle that banks said no no I want to be releasing every day every minute Mm. how does all that work how do you do that safely and that's haven't quite got into that control framework and that's no one has i mean perhaps google have themselves but i think in a regulated world has anyone got into that yet and i think yeah you're right you want your ip in there but then how do you manage that no i don't see any any fact and that's the race of let's be got to learn it at good exactly. and bad yeah you make the doing, mistakes right? <laughs> yeah learn by doing yeah. doing it from there and i think it's uh that that's but keeping your skills is 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 huge for that i mean they and the discipline the the, the funny thing is is working on these very innovative platform the cloud platforms and the, you know they allow you to do that is we we often joked on that you could put in and more tech debt in one year on these platforms than in the legacy bank would take 10 years to do because it's so yeah. easy to do it and that's not a good thing <laughs> because you know the business oh well this or let's spin up another instance another database and then before you know it it's it. yeah you might have horizontally scaled but jesus you're back to square one you've got spaghetti in on new kit and uh, therefore i think there has to be some yeah it, it's resetting the thinking and i don't think anyone's there yet Still but face to, to err is human, but to really cock up takes a computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we've been talking for a lot. I don't want to bring this discussion to a close, but unfortunately I have to. It's my duty. Chris, I really appreciate all the thoughts and insights you shared. It's been a great discussion. Thanks, thanks for geeking out with us. Yeah, I think I think we need to talk more about cloud and new architectures. We we didn't even come on to, to thinking about how how regulatory change impacts on the architectures of the future, which I think is another fascinating discussion. Yeah. But thank you, everyone, for joining us for a great, a great discussion. That's all for this time. Catch you on the flip side. At Red Compass Labs, we exist to help open the doors of finance to all and to protect those who enter. I hope today's discussion sheds some light for you on the fascinating future of payments that is unfolding all around us. We really appreciate the support of our audience. So if you've enjoyed this discussion, please show your support by giving us a thumbs up, hitting subscribe and clicking on the bell to get notified when new content arrives in future. Also, don't be shy about giving us feedback. We really appreciate your comments and suggestions for topics and guests. That's all for this time. Catch you on the flip side.